A few weeks ago, Amy and I had uh, that rarest of opportunities where our children all went to bed roughly on time, and, and we had a, an, an evening uh, together without disruption, and we decided to watch a film. And we watched a film called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And, and that film, if, if you've not seen it, tells the story, a true story, of a man called Fred Rogers, who was an American children's television host, producer, and also a Presbyterian minister. And he produced, uh, hosted, in fact, uh, a show called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood between 1968 and 2001. And in that time span, he produced over 900 episodes. Here is a picture of Mr. Fred Rogers himself. Now, the show was aimed at children between the ages of two and five, and it, it was seeking to address particularly matters that concerned their physical, emotional, and spiritual health. It addressed wide-ranging issues like uh, starting school, uh, sibling rivalry, uh, I know a number in the room and at home will have experienced sibling rivalry. And it even addressed things like divorce and death. In fact, I was having a conversation with our very own Bo Brumley, an American, uh, just this week. And he was telling me how he watched an episode on the subject of death. He remembers it, watching it with his mum, sitting by his side. Now, the show was a phenomenal success, and it really was responsible for, for raising a whole generations, not just one generation, generations of American children. And Rogers himself was a hugely inspirational figure. He, he was a remarkably disciplined man. He woke up, he had a particular pattern of life and prayer, and uh, he went swimming every morning, and he's just a hugely disciplined person. And he was well rewarded uh, for that. He was recognized as being something of a, a modern saint. He left a legacy of great goodness and he was honored. He won an Emmy and various other awards, including a presidential medal of freedom. He once said, when asked why he did what he did, he said, I went into television because I hated it so. <laughs> and I thought there's some way, there's got to be some way of using this fabulous instrument to nurture love that word, to nurture those who would watch and listen. He described his, his television role as a ministry. He said uh, his ministry was broadcasting grace throughout the land. And what he wanted uh, these children to see and listen to was the power of goodness. He said this, try your best to make goodness attractive. That's one of the toughest assignments you'll ever be given. People like Fred Rogers, they, they leave a mark they leave an indelible mark after them. And one woman even remarked to her own husband, having met Fred Rogers, she said this, I think I just had a religious experience. This was a wonderful person. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't, and as his wife was keen to remind people after he died, he wasn't a saint. He was a human being like the rest of us. But he modeled goodness. Or as we said and saw last week, he modeled Tov. And we've been looking, and we are looking at the moment, and we will be looking for weeks to come at this idea of being a, a Tov church. The people of God concerned primarily with this idea of goodness. And we said last week that we're concerned with goodness because God is concerned with goodness. And God is concerned with goodness because God is goodness. God is good. Not, that's not to say God sometimes is good, but God is goodness as such. He is in his essence Tov. He is good. 
And he has made a world of good and he, he installs humankind as the image bearers uh, to govern with him in goodness. And so the church is a colony on earth of his goodness. We're to be consumed and concerned with goodness. But I think last week's message should have raised as many questions as it answers because we still haven't really defined goodness. The question that remains for human beings Even those whose hearts are set on goodness is, what is goodness actually like? And how might we be led into the life that is good? And I guess really the rest of this series is a meditation on those two questions. What is goodness? And in a roundabout way, (laughs) a preacher's roundabout way, that's sort of what Philip and Nathaniel are asking. They, as these young sort of uh, seekers in first century Palestine, they're asking that same question. How can we be good? How can we experience and encounter the good? Where is goodness? Where is life to be found? And, and the context of their meeting, which Jacob's read to us this morning, the context of that meeting is that uh, their friends, uh, members of the same town, uh, Andrew, uh, and, and then Simon, uh, Andrew, who was after all a follower of John the Baptist, they've encountered Jesus and they've met him and they themselves have, have fixed themselves on Jesus' goodness. But, but Philip here also encounters Jesus. Jesus has decided to go to Galilee and he meets Philip and he says, come and follow me. And Philip, having met Jesus is somehow overcome by this goodness and so goes looking for friends of his own and he finds Nathanael and he invites him to meet Jesus. Here's what we read. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Moses in the law. What is the law? The law was the culmination of God's vision of Tov. That's what the law was. The law was the description and the depiction of Tov. Tov on tablets of stone. And so what Philip's saying is, I found some Tov. I found goodness. And I tell you, goodness has a name. Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathaniel, I found goodness. And Nathaniel's response, I love it. I love Nathaniel. He's earthy. He's honest. He's one of us. He says simply this Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> this is the key question. Nathaniel has on his lips the question that we're all asking Can anything, Tove, come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel is a skeptic. He's a modern-day man or woman. He's a cynic, even. How can something good come from that dead-end town? I've been down there. That football team's rubbish. I've I've, I've hung out there. I know the kind of people that come from that place. There's nothing good from there. Trust me. He represents the, I'd say, the spirit of the age, the sort of skepticism when it comes to matters of faith, when it comes to questions of goodness. You see, we've all seen it, haven't we? We've all heard the stories 
of people who are purporting to be good and when you scratch beneath the surface, when you get beneath the facade, what you find is rarely goodness all the way down. Often you're disappointed. And many people actually felt this way and feel this way about Mr. Rogers. In fact, the film, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, is really asking that question, can this man really have been all that good? Now, skeptics and cynics are often those people who've been baptized into disappointment. They've had hope, they've had faith before, they've had confidence, but they've been let down. And it's painful. And it's understandable. There's a Nathaniel, isn't there, in each of us? There's not any of us who doesn't experience some of that. When we come to the questions of goodness, and even when we approach Jesus, but every Nathaniel needs a Philip. Someone who just says, hey, come on, should we have a look? And Philip's words, every Eeyore, you might say, needs a Tigger. And Philip's words, I think, are really valuable. Philip just says, just... Look, just suspend for a minute, Nathaniel, your unbelief. Just come and see. (laughs) I love that. Just come and see. See for yourself. And what does Nathaniel see? Well, we don't have time to go into it in any great detail. But it says here, verse 47, when Nathaniel, when Jesus, rather, saw. So, Nathaniel's been asked to come and see. Um, The next person we find doing the seeing is not Nathaniel, but Jesus. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel says, How do you know me? Do you see how it's been flipped? Nathaniel's invited to go and see, and what happens is that Jesus does the seeing and Jesus does the knowing. You see, we're invited to come and see Jesus. Nathaniel is, and what happens is not that he sees, but that he has seen. Not that he knows, but before he knows, he is known. And the fact that he's seen and the fact that he's known enables him to see again, to see himself again. And to see goodness, and he says these words, how do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. See, it's not actually even primarily about us seeing, it's about us being seen. Nathaniel leaves this encounter feeling more known than he's ever been before. More known than he even knew of himself. Can anything, Tove, come from Nazareth? The answer, at least here, is a resounding yes. And actually, the answer is the Gospels depict it throughout the Gospels is a resounding yes. You see, Jesus' agenda throughout the Gospels is a tov agenda. Uh, we, we see that the message Jesus has in his lips in the Gospels is uh, the kingdom agenda, the good news agenda, the tov agenda, that word good news comes from. Two Greek words, one, you, uh, a prefix meaning good, and the other one, angelos, a word from which we get the word angel, meaning messenger or description or message, the good message, or as uh, Scott McKnight in this book would say, the message of Tov. He says, this, add this up and here's what we've got, the gospel is the message of Tov. The gospel is about God's 
Tove coming to us in Jesus, who is Tove, and thus making us into agents of Tove. People like Philip, who are able to say to our friends and our families, come and see. The gospel, Jesus' agenda was a Tove agenda. Jesus' teaching was Tove teaching. The Sermon on the Mount, what a beautiful description of Tove. Uh, uh, the recapitulation, uh, the retelling of the, of, the, of the Torah, of the story that Moses carried on tablets of stone. Here we have Jesus retelling it more beautifully than it's ever been told before. And renaming who's in and who's out. And who's in is everyone. Who's in is the broken. Who's in is the poor. Who's in is the hurting. Who's in, who's in is the outcast and the peacemakers. And they'll be called children of God. This is a Tove teaching. New York Times columnist David Brooks, who himself came to faith in a powerful way, speaks of the Sermon on the Mount in this way. He says, on the other hand, I can't unread Matthew. The Beatitudes, and I think when he speaks about the Beatitudes, he's actually speaking about the whole Sermon on the Mount. David, if you're watching, correct me if I'm wrong. The Beatitudes are the moral sublime The source of all, the moral purity that takes your breath away and toward which everything points. In the Beatitudes, we see the ultimate roadmap for our lives. The Tove way, if you like. There are lots of miracles in the Bible, but the most astounding one is the existence of that short sermon. Jesus' teaching was Tove. If you've never read it, read it. This afternoon, don't watch Man United Liverpool. Read the Sermon on the Mount if you never have. Jesus' life was a Tove life. Oh, everything he did was Tove. Everyone he met, toward them he was Tove. He was good. David Brooks goes on to say, Jesus is the person who shows us what giving yourself away looks like. He did not show mercy. He was mercy. He did not show perfect love. He was perfect love. You see, we all need a model of goodness, a model of Tove. And Fred Rogers is great, but he's not enough. Jesus was Tove in action. He was so humble. He was so approachable. He forgave. He healed. He admonished. He challenged. He was faultlessly kind. And his death was a Tove death. You know, it's one thing to be kind on the mountaintop, but Jesus was kind in the valley. Who else had the same quality of death? He blessed his enemies on the cross. He included even the people being crucified alongside him. You know, it's easy to be kind in the great high point moments. You know, this, this week, Thursday night, we had this... Uh, a few of our leaders gathered, hub leaders and a few others, just telling them our values as a church. And I, we were speaking and regaling them on kindness and how our goal as a church, one of our key values is this idea of kindness. We feel that manifest tove in a particular way. And, and then the next day, oh, homeschool, folks. And uh, the Thursday night, where there we were on the mountaintop on Zoom, regaling people and then the valley came the next day homeschool and there I was shouting at my children (laughs) Tove left the building in the valley but Jesus has no valley even in the valley moments he still manifests kindness his death was a Tove death his resurrection was the moment where Tove touched earth and breaking forth from the tomb was God's goodness. 
And his ascension was the moment where God's Tove began to rule. Tove was enthroned as Lord of all creation. And Tove, God's goodness, was placed in the driving seat. Again, Scott McKnight, when God spoke from heaven at the baptism of Jesus and said, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased, that was Tove. The life of Jesus, Tove. The teachings of Jesus, Tove. The accomplishment of his death, resurrection, and ascension, Tove. In Christ, it's all Tove. But there's no need to worship someone who was Tove. Fred Rogers was Tove, and we're not worshiping him. But what we see on the pages of the New Testament and throughout the Gospels, in fact, what Jesus claims of himself is not just to see at times acted in a Tove way, in a good way, but that he himself was Tove. Tove in flesh. We see this in Colossians 1. The Son, it says, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. It says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Last week, we spoke about the idea that we as human beings are made in God's image, created in his likeness to rule and to reign, to manifest his goodness. But what we see in Jesus is not that he's made in the image of God, but that he is the image of God. He is the fullness of God dwelling bodily. He's the one to whom we point. He is the image bearer. He picks up where we left off, but he lives it perfectly because he is God's perfect image. Another way to say this would be to say that Jesus is tove in flesh. Not a replica, but the real thing. Not on his best days, but on every day. And because of this, he demands not just our honor, but our devotion, our worship. He's the goal for Christian life. He is the vision of goodness. He is the church's vision. We sing, be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. We sing, Jesus, be enthroned upon our praises, be enthroned in our prayers, be enthroned in our working, be enthroned in our sleeping, be enthroned in every part of our lives. You are the good. There is no other good for the church. There is no other good in the church. The single goal of the church is to encounter him, to become like him, and to join with him in his work. And we forget this so easily. And we make church life about another project, another agenda, church growth, church planting, church branding, gathering influence. All of these things, and some of them are good, but they're not the good. They're never the goal. They can never become the goal. They can never. Hear me. When they become the goal, they become an idol, a rival to the true and only good, which is Jesus. The goal of the church is Jesus, him alone. We must never become confused on this point. Fred Rogers wasn't confused on this point. What was the source of his goodness? Well, it was Jesus. He was, he was his inspiration, tove in flesh. And those people who inspire us the most, they are the people who have set as the highest goal in their lives, Christ Jesus. And it's when we do that, when we respond to Jesus' invitation to come and follow, whether we respond as Philip, believers, 
or as Nathaniel, cynics or skeptics. Whoever we are, however we come, when we come to him and we lay down our lives, our agendas, our visions for the good to him, we become in, taken up into his way of life. And he says to us, lay down your life, your experiences, your disappointments, your hopes, your dreams. I will resurrect them. I will become your good. And it's that Jesus who addresses each of us today and says, come follow me. Come follow me, learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. In me you will find the way to Tove, and I will transform you from within. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Come and see. Let's pray.